Hello and welcome to the final Self Mastered of 2020. When we return in January, it will be with my new co-host, Stephanie Janini. And like I've mentioned previously, the show is headed in a different direction. We're going to be focusing on the intersection of personal development and professional development. And we're not going to shy away from things that might seem a little airy-fairy to some. Today's guest, Whitney Catalano, joined us on the show more than a year ago, back when the show was called School Nutrition Dietitian. We had a really good conversation then, but what stood out to me recently was that Whitney underwent a major rebrand, and it was a bit of a departure from what she was doing before, even though it's still all connected I can understand as someone who went through similar training, how difficult it might have been to make that pivot when her existing business and practice was really thriving. How do you decide to pursue what you're being called to do when what you're already doing feels a little more safe and people are already resonating with? What type of courage, what type of mindset does it take to be able to pivot in your business in a direction that may not seem very popular? Whitney is the perfect person to have on the show as we are going through this transition from the old school nutrition dietitian branding to self-mastered. I'm really excited about the new direction that we are taking the show in, but I wouldn't be being honest with you if I said I didn't have any fear around this. And if I was totally ready to like run into the airy fairy and all these other things that I love that I really do think are helpful in well-rounded, holistic personal development, this discussion with Whitney perfectly captures so much of the thought process behind this transition and so much of the challenge behind making this type of change. I got a ton out of this conversation. I hope to have Whitney on again in the future. I think you're going to love it too. If you vibe with this interview, you're absolutely going to love season one of Self Mastered with Stephanie Janini and Dahlia Kinsey. All right, let's get right into it. Hey, Whitney, thank you so much for coming on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I know it's so hard to change directions when you feel like you've already put a lot of work and time into something. And everyone who's a dietitian knows that it is an obscene amount of work. Like they yeah. haze you to get, <laughs> to allow you into the field. Yes. So to do all that work and then to realize, oh, I have another gift that I always had that I could have focused on a business in this area without all of that training and all of that energy. How did you get the clarity to make that leap? I truly don't know. I think I was just unhappy for a while and I was resisting it. And I was just kind of like, well, I'll figure it out one day, but I'm waiting and I'm waiting. And for the longest time, you know, you can hear it on my podcast. You can hear it. Like I have old posts about it. Like there's, I was just saying it to everyone, you know, I'm not going to do this forever. Like I'm tired of talking about food, literally punch me in the face instead of (laughs) asking me about food one more time. Like I'm going to scream. And so it was very obvious. And yet I was still pretty like in denial about it. And I had so much resistance around 
making long-term goals. Like I did this weekend with my assistant um, in January to plan our yearly goals for 2020 and to like plan all the launches and stuff. And it was the most difficult thing. Like I just could not care and just felt so overwhelmed and everything was confusing to me. And it was just, I was like, I don't know how to launch this. Like, I don't want to write the marketing material. Like I just was like running into wall after wall after wall. And it wasn't just like fear, you know, it's not the fear resistance that you can get through. It was like a barricade of resistance being like, don't go this direction, stop it. (laughs) And I also had a book deal and I was writing my book about emotional eating and oh my God, I could not, I could not write it. I just, Mm. it was horrible. And I got back, I was literally actually traveling in Europe right as the lockdowns were hitting. I was in Italy right when the U.S. closed the borders. Um, oh, no. And we're like, if you're in Italy, you have to come home. And we were like, uh, okay. So we were like, what's COVID? You know, because our government was just not, they didn't really tell us. They're anything. like, it's the flu. Don't worry. Yeah, it's the flu. Don't just worry. But also like, come home now. Because like, <laughs> and I was in Italy and everyone had masks and stuff. It was wild. But um, I had my book deal. So I got to get a little extension on my book deal. Cause I was like, I'm stressed about the, you know, COVID and stuff, which I was, but, um, I still couldn't write it. Still couldn't write it. Like <laughs> sitting mm. at home in full lockdown, couldn't write it. And then I, and I was like running out of money and I had to push a launch and just all of these things were happening. And I had a moment where I was like, Oh my God, I, And I don't have financial plans for my business. I don't have any long-term plans. I don't want to do any of the things that I wanted to do. I don't want to write this book. So I was like, okay, I have to burn it all down now. (laughs) And that's it. (laughs) Like, wow. That sounds really scary. So I can understand why you kept resisting it. But how are you feeling now that you did burn it all down? And give people an idea of what you built. How extensive was your Instagram following and how much time had you put into building this business? Yeah. So I started my business when I first uh, became a dietitian in 2017. And just for a little bit of context for anyone who isn't a dietitian listening to this, um, we have to do, you know, our undergrad and I had to do an extra semester. So I actually had to like stay at college longer than all my friends, which was fine. And then we have to apply, you know, you have to do a ton of work experience and all this stuff. And then you have to apply for a dietetic internship, which was a whole thing. And I had to move to the middle of nowhere in California to do this dietetic internship for nine months. And that was a like a whole experience. I had to work so many jobs that I didn't want to work in hospitals and like all this stuff that it was just a nightmare for me because I never wanted to do, you know, clinical work. I always wanted to do social media, online, like leadership stuff. Started my business in 2017 when I got home from my dietetic internship, passed my exam. Um, So much money to get there to that point. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) And then I spent three years building my business and it was like the hardest thing I've ever done because looking back, I now see how much of an uphill battle it was the whole time. Like shocker, right? But 
it was a good learning experience. And I had like 40,000 followers and I made an, I made a pretty good name for myself in the, in the community of anti-diet food freedom stuff, like pretty successful podcast. And, you know, I was getting a lot of name recognition, like right before I burned everything down. (laughs) Um, I remember like people still find my podcast all the time and like message me, like you're changing my life, like da, 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 da. And I'm just like, (laughs) yeah. was wondering that too. Do you have a lot of people asking you for services you don't offer anymore? And does that bring up any resistance for you around like fear of not having enough money? Because I know that I'm really bad about chasing shiny objects, even when I have clearly figured out, oh, this is who I want to serve. This is what I want to do. And this is how it ties into natural skills and talents that I have had my entire life. Everything's falling into place. It's clear that this messaging is in alignment because I can feel it in my body. Mm-hmm. But then somebody's like, here's a dollar, here's a dollar. And I'm like, Phew, over there. Mm-hmm. Have you had any of that come up for you? I mean, luckily I had, so in 2019, like the beginning of 2019, my business was really struggling because I was really chasing dollars. And I mean, it makes sense. I was living at home. I was so desperate to like, get it going, you know, and I was do working here and there, but it wasn't, I just felt like I was working so hard. And, and I ended up joining this mastermind where it was a lot of mindset training that we went through, which completely changed my life and like helped me. It helped shape the kind of coach that I am today. But one of the things that I realized in that program was the more that I chased money, the more I pushed money away. And so I really had to go, I had to lean into like being of service and really showing up like, I don't care about the money and I have to trust that like I'm attracting what it, whatever it is and whoever needs to work with me. And it lit night and day. Like I went from making nothing to making so much, like enough to move out, you know, and it was just amazing. And so I continued to learn that lesson over and over and over again. Like every time I chased Mm -hmm. the money, my business would suffer. And I was like, shit, I really got (laughs) to, you know, I really got to learn this. So it's so natural though. Do you think you would have been able to have that trust if you weren't living at home? Because how do you get to that place where you just trust when you really do have some bills coming up? Right. Well, and that was the place that was 2020. Like I was living in my apartment and I really got a lesson. Like I felt like I didn't have anything to fall back on anymore um, because I was totally running out of money and I had taken work off to write that book. And it was like, it was getting (laughs) not cute. You know, it was getting real scary, really fast. And that was the lesson. That was really the lesson where I've always been able, like, there's always been just enough. I've always been able to get through the month. I've always been like, there's always just a month. And if I have to put off paying my credit card in full, or if I have to, whatever, like you, I I kept looking for the evidence that I would Mm. make it work. A lot of times it was me like holding my breath, hoping that I was not being, you know, not making a terrible decision. Um, But yeah, it's, it really is mental for me because you know, one of the exercises that I used to do all the time was come up with 10 ways. Like I'd write a list of 10 ways that I could make money over the weekend, things that are 
ridiculous and things that make sense. You know, you could sell some stuff. You could um, go do this. I was like, I could start an OnlyFans. I could like, you know, do all of these things to find a way to make money if I needed something in a pinch. And that really helped me. What has the shift been like going from working in an area that's all about science, 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 evidence, proof, 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 mm-hmm. versus being in a realm where you can't always cite your resources mm-hmm. and yet you know what you know? It's honestly such a relief because I I loved learning about the health at every size science. I loved it. I still love it. Like I still find it so fascinating. And what it taught me was that everything is not what we think it is. You know, everything is kind of the opposite of what we think it is. And it was amazing. However, I, my brain doesn't work like that. I never wanted to work clinical because I couldn't ever memorize any, anything. Oh my gosh. Anything. (laughs) Anything. I'm so so bad with like memorizing details of stuff. I'm really good with concepts, big ideas. I love metaphors. I love storytelling. Like I used to get through all of my classes as a dietitian by turning things into stories because I couldn't, I couldn't memorize things. And so to be in a path that had I kind of hit a sweet spot because it was a very emotional path of like helping people with food and like, you know, their self image and trauma and all this stuff. But then having so many people demanding that you show them resources and stuff. So annoying. So frustrating. My head was always spinning. I could barely organize all of the stuff because I had it, but I'm like, I don't I know how to tell you right. that this is really hard for my brain. <laughs> like it's really hard for my brain. Well, and then it just feels like sometimes it just feels really boring. Right. Yeah. I want to say I was diplomatic a few days ago when someone on TikTok <laughs> asked me for resources. First of all, the woman came after me. She came at me the wrong way. Like she started out with as a dietitian, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, okay, Mm -hmm. did you not read even my handle? Like, what did you think the RD was at the end of my handle? Like I'm a dietitian too. And I didn't ask you, get off my page Mm -hmm. was the first thing that my whole body was like, go away, get out of my space. Mm -hmm. Because one, I find all of that tedious and boring and I'm beyond that point. Right. I have already looked at the research and I feel convinced and convincing people is not my jam. So my response has got just increasingly aggressive and it took me a while to realize what's bothering me is that isn't what I want to do right. and it's a mismatch and I need to set a yeah. boundary and kick her out of my space. Mm -hmm. But I also feel like from how I've been trained as a Westerner, that you have to prove everything. And that if you back down, it looks like you're retreating. Mm -hmm. That also is something we're taught. Like Mm -hmm. you you can't leave the disagreement until you've proven your point. Right. But do you like, do you need to prove it? And you know what you know, and this person isn't part of your target demo anyway. So like, bye-bye. It really took me a minute to get to that point. And someone, honestly, a friend had to point out to me that, this is why you feel so triggered and this is why it's okay to just tell her to be blocked and be blessed and keep it moving. Have you had any issues with people coming into your space now Mm. that you've transitioned? Well, also, can you describe your business? Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm just assuming everybody has seen what you do. How do you describe your current offerings and services? 
I'm a shadow worker. And what that means is I, well, I work with spiritual leaders and healers and helpers. So I work with people who feel called to help people. And I went through a really big spiritual awakening this year. And that sounds so cheesy, but like, it just is what it is. And so I help other people who are going through the same thing, find their purpose. And so half part of that is doing the ego work and the shadow work and the like nitty gritty of this is, I'm, I'm terrified of being seen or I'm terrified of hurting people. That's a big one. People want to help people are terrified of hurting people, which mm. we get in our way all the time. Cause it's like, I don't want to hurt someone. It's like, well, yeah. Cause there's a lot of people who don't care about hurting people out there, helping people. And like, yikes, you know, so, yeah. so get over it and let's do this. <laughs> I don't say that we do the emotional stuff, but so I do that. I do business development, um, you know, helping people find their purpose and really learn how to take this intuitive approach to, um, their careers that I've learned how to do myself, which is like, you have no idea what's coming. You've got to stop chasing the money. How do you actually do that? How do you get into the mindset that it's all going to work out so that you can really start receiving that, like, you know, universal downloads of info and like be guided rather than trying to control your way through it. Yeah. That's what I do. Yes. And I see you've got, for people who can't see, there's some crystals mm-hmm. on the shelf behind Whitney. And all of that stuff totally resonates with me. Yeah. But I know in our training, people poo-poo on things that you can't prove mm-hmm. and fail to realize that so much of that belief that it's only valid if it can be explained through one accepted Western way of evaluating the world around us, Mm -hmm. that that in itself is inherently shady. To be that culturally centered on yourself. I'm trying to look for something aside from white supremacy, but that's what keeps popping into my head. I'm like, it's narcissism. There's more than what, yes, there you go. And white supremacy is narcissism. Yeah. Like at the end of the day. And that's a connection I made recently where I was like, oh my God, it all makes sense. Like it all comes together to narcissism. And then the opposite is not ours, you know? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. I do feel like 2020 has been a year of awakening for a lot of people a lot because it's been, it's not, it wasn't all fun. Mm -mm. We all know that, (laughs) but I personally had clarity Mm and downloads, like you said, that I couldn't have had it any other time, or I would have been too afraid to accept them or see them for what they were. Mm-hmm. I got coaching this year for the first time. And prior to this, I got to say like every other coaching experience I had, it was usually in a larger, more generic setting, but it mm-hmm. left me with the feeling that coaching is not real, right? right. That it's, <laughs> yeah, it's not totally. really helpful. It's just like a list of rules. Somebody learned from somebody else and they just give it to you. It doesn't fit your experience. And they never tell you to listen to yourself. Mm-hmm. They explain like, this is how you grow super fast. And Anytime you say, oh, I'm feeling resistance or like, I don't know why I can't make myself do it. They're like, cause you're afraid. You're afraid. You just need to get out there and do it, girl. Like they never, there was no depth. Right. But the person that I worked with this year, she is an intuitive and she Mm -hmm. was even playing that down because she was also going through this major transition, Mm -hmm. but she comes from the space of, I am learning and growing and I don't have to be an expert to help other people do the same. So it's been so interesting seeing that shift too, Mm -hmm. that the coach isn't necessarily an all-knowing person who's going to tell you all the secrets. They're a guide. Right. And do we really want to work with anyone who thinks they're anything more than a guide? Because can you be 
the be all end all for somebody's business or how they should live their life or how they should heal. Mm -mm. No, I always say run the freaking opposite direction. If anyone tells you they know all the answers or they try to act like an expert. And I give Brene Brown as a really good example of this because, you know, people always come to me and they say like, Whitney, I'm scared to get started. I'm scared to not know enough. I feel like I have to learn so much more. I have to do. And I felt the same way when I first, especially in the anti-diet world, food Mm. freedom, just being a dietitian in general, I felt like I had to learn everything. Cause that's the way that we were trained is mm-hmm. like, you got to know pretty much everything and people are still going to disrespect you. And you're just like, okay, cool. Yeah. Sounds good. <laughs> like damn. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so traumatizing. I was just like, okay. And so I was literally studying this stuff. Like I was studying people's relationship with food, you know, as if I was studying for the RD exam, like Mm. just reading everything and overcompensating. And what I learned over time is like, you can either position yourself as a learner and like a lifelong student or an expert. And I, every time I've pretended to be an expert, it's like reeks of fake, you know, it just reeks. (laughs) It's not good. And because it feels like whenever anyone challenges you, you really have to prove yourself. Mm. Right. Whereas if you're like, hey, I'm just using some of my natural gifts, plus my research, plus Mm -hmm. my lived experience, and I don't know everything. And if it resonates with you, you can work with me. And if it doesn't, you don't have to work with me. You don't have to follow me on IG. Then you don't feel so compelled Mm -hmm. to expend all this energy every time someone challenges you. Right. So that has been like a major weight that's been lifted. Not that mm-hmm. I was being challenged that often because honestly, I was playing so super small because mm-hmm. I was running up against resistance to everything because I wasn't doing what I really wanted to do. Yeah. And I wasn't trusting myself and I wasn't following my intuition because it sounds crazy, but I just wasn't fully integrating my identities that I obviously have into my work. And it was right. costing me in motivation listening to myself was really the whole issue. And it's crazy to me. I was talking about this with other cohorts that are with me in the coaching program that all we've really learned is to do what we want. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And yet (laughs) it's taken so much work and we still definitely haven't nailed it because every week when we come in, it's like, again, when we all list out our challenges or what we need help around, She asks us like a million different ways. Well, what do you want to do? Right. And for some reason, because we've all been trained not to trust ourselves, that intuition isn't real, that if it isn't measurable and quantifiable, then it's trash, Mm -hmm. that if it isn't going to make you money right away, then it has no tangible value. So again, Mm -hmm. it's trash. If, (laughs) If you can't measure everything and test everything that you have no way of knowing how to replicate it. You can't just Mm -hmm. do what feels good for you and trust that if it's in service, things will be fine. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's, we crack ourselves up over how we continually show up asking the same thing and she'll help us answer our own question again. And I'm like, why can't I do this on my own? But interestingly enough, there's a reason why the tradition of having a guide exists all over the world and all cultures. These are some things that maybe they're not impossible to do on your own, but it will take you a lifetime maybe. 
because <laughs> you run into the same, like you're saying, you run into the same mental traps over and over and over again. And so part of what a guide is, is like, yes, asking the right questions and da, 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 da. But like, part of it is just being a mirror, you know, like I'm a mirror for my, for anyone I work with. I'm a mirror for anyone who comes to my page. And for some people, that mirror is going to show them parts of themselves that they don't like. And sometimes that mirror is going to activate belief systems that they really are holding on to, you know? And like, then that's when people come in and project things onto you. And so when I recognize my role as a mirror and also recognizing other people's role as a mirror for me and like, where do I get activated? Where do I, you know, freak out? Where do I want to shut down or hide or whatever? That really opened me up because it was like, okay, this is all here for our teaching and for our understanding. And also I don't have to pretend to be this, like you're saying, this expert or whatever. I, I can be this, this guide in this mirror. And I also don't have to take responsibility for my clients. I have to take responsibility for how I show up and let them, you know, use me how they need to use me, if that makes sense. It does. And that feels so much better because it's allowing you to stay in your own lane and, Acknowledging that there are some things that we can't control and it doesn't benefit us to try to, because mm-hmm. I know that's one of the major ongoing themes in dietetics is how do we make people dot, dot, dot. And you don't factor in yeah. that when someone is being healed or helped, or they don't need for you to take away all of their free will. That's not helpful ever. And it's not effective. And people get all in their feelings about the general public not making a big distinction between registered dietitians and nutritionists. Mm -hmm. But when you look at being taught that you are going to take over the healing process for your patient or client versus a lot of people who are in a more holistic space are serving as a guide because they know that the individual really holds all the power in the end. Mm -hmm. And you give people the support that they need, how they want it Mm -hmm. because they're getting better results. They, there's a reason why people (laughs) don't see a difference because how many people have beautiful stories of healing and transformation with a dietitian, right? Like, mm, only like trauma stories. People would be like, are you sure you're not going to just tell me what to eat? Like, I don't want that. And I was like, no, I promise. Like I couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny. I was recently like screened out of a space that later on, it didn't really vibe with me anyway, but they right. were like, yeah, because of you're being a dietitian, basically we need to like quarantine you and make sure that you're safe. We can't have you in this like fat liberation space mm-hmm. because of all the trauma people have around working with a dietitian, but there were Mm -hmm. other things in that space that weren't really vibing that I was like, okay, that's cool that you're maintaining a safe space. I respect that. And also it's cool that it gave me a minute to reflect on whether or not I even vibe with the space because in the end it wasn't a fit. I just thought it was interesting that they've had to create that policy. Mm -hmm. That really says something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I have been really interested in using all of my training, but evolving beyond what I initially intended to do with my training. So even with my podcast, you know, I did when you came on before, we were focused on health at every size and escaping the diet trap, like at the beginning of last year, which seems like a hundred years ago. Yeah. (laughs) 
And when I came on your show, I talked about the issues with racism in the dietetic community and what we can really do to move forward. So I will say, even though we weren't at our final destination, we still aren't. We still really stand out from what is the status quo in the field. So that sometimes too felt like, oh, this must be progress. Like I'm still an outlier in this toxic field. Surely I'm on the right track, but it's still, it wasn't it. Well, and thankfully it taught me how to question the status quo. Like learning about health at every size and learning, you know, and I think just the research around dieting is exactly what it's like such a good metaphor for everything where Mm. (laughs) dieting leads to long-term weight gain. You know, these like ironic truths that you find in the research over and over and over again that you're just like, oh my gosh, why why, you know, and it worse health outcomes and all the stuff, like everything that you're trying to do, it accomplishes the exact opposite. And you end up running, this is very Carl Jung, right? Carl Jung is the, uh, he popularized shadow work. And um, he's a psychologist for anyone who's listening or a psychoanalytic. His whole thing was like, when we don't, when we have fears that we don't address, when we have fears lying under the surface, we run right into them. Our fears, our unconscious fears become our destiny. And so you have to recognize your fears. And this is literally the dieting world in a nutshell is like, Mm. we instill this terror in people and this, this absolute like numbing fear in people of being fat, (gasps) you know, like, oh no. And then you dedicate your entire life to trying to be healthy and thin and everything that you do to get there is damaging your body and is like moving and it's not your fault. Right. But this is like how the conditioning works. And once I saw that pattern of like, wow, we really condition people to run from their fears their entire life. And then it hurt, it actively hurts them on every level. When I realized that I was like, where else is this happening? Oh, everywhere. Yes, 100% everywhere. Everything. Oh my goodness. (laughs) I never really thought, I never thought about dieting being such a clear example of that universal truth. Mm -hmm. And it it sounds cheesy when people explain it in a really basic kind of way. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, what you resist persists. Because that also sometimes sounds like, oh, if I'm suffering, that it's low-key my fault. Right. But (laughs) it's really not the principle. Mm -hmm. It's the actions you take to run away from an unconscious fear Mm -hmm. lead you right into Mm -hmm. the outcome you were resisting. And that's just how we work. It's so strange because I found for me, sincerity and being in alignment are big things and being Mm -hmm. phony, like so repulsive to me. But in an effort to feel like I'm controlling every aspect of how I present myself comes the phoniness. Yeah. And then what is that fear really about? Though that everyone's going to misunderstand my true intentions. Mm -hmm. But because I don't want people to misunderstand my true intentions, I try and like carefully curate everything I put out there. Mm-hmm. which cuts people off from my true self and my true intentions. Like right. <laughs> you exactly. have to work through exactly. your fear of being misunderstood in order to be understood. And you have to work through your fear of being seen and criticized mm-hmm. to show up fully and find your people who resonate with your messaging and help you create a, su- a safe bubble. That's right. one of the things that the coach says that I love 
that when you're in business for yourself, it's entirely possible to do whatever you want because people make a living a billion different ways. There is no right way to do it. Mm -hmm. People tell you there is, and that's a lie. Mm -hmm. But then also, if you fully show up as yourself, that is when you start creating a safe space where you can open up more and do more in your business that you might initially be afraid of. Yeah. And I never really heard anyone explain that you could create a safe bubble for you. Mm -hmm. Like if you hate homophobia, then you need to be out and loud and proud in your business because that's the only way you're going to get the homophobes out of your space. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to yeah. feel safe as a woman in your space, then you need to address all the things that are irking you about, well, we're going to call it toxic masculinity mm-hmm. because we're not mad at, you know, um, people have been socialized as male, but you have to call it out to mm-hmm. get it out of your space. But mm-hmm. sometimes it feels like hiding from it is the key, but right. it gets you exactly the opposite of what you're wanting. Exactly. Yeah. And what's interesting too, to go back to what you said about like all these coaches that you had worked with who were just telling you and giving you the list and doing all that stuff. Like, I think what we're going to find is this year in particular, I think it's been this way for a bit, but it hasn't been this mainstream. And this year really sped up our timelines a lot. I think what we're going to find is that the people who try to build a business doing the cookie cutter thing or telling Mm. people this is the way that you have to whatever. And this is in the coaches who are very um, like strategy oriented rather than human oriented. I think they're not going to do as well. Mm. And I think we're going to see them start to suffer because that's That's not what people want anymore. And that's what I see. And maybe that's my bubble, right? Maybe that's just what Mm. I, my version of the world that I see But what I do know is that I work with so many people and I talk to so many people all the time who have such a similar experiences to you. Like I worked with coaches. They told me what to do. It's not working. I feel miserable in my business. I feel drained. I feel all these things. And I'm terrified of saying the wrong thing. And I'm terrified of this and this and that. And it's like, it's because they were given these like, you know, mental kind of bars around them to be like, you have to do it this way Mm. to be successful. And it's like, no, that doesn't work anymore. Like no one wants that. No one wants the cookie cutter. People want individuality. They want to know. Everyone has so many interests. Like we, we grew up and have spent a majority of our lives on the internet, just like learning about random stuff in the middle of the night. You know, we have so many interests. Like we want to have businesses that reflect that and lives that reflect that. And I wonder if part of it is being in a bubble because it's funny, I felt more and more, so the show initially had a focus really on the nuts and bolts and the rules and regulations of school nutrition. Mm -hmm. Then that didn't feel like a perfect fit. So I expanded to, I want to include the anti-diet messaging because I think it's very important for people in the space to be aware and be cognizant of how they're creating harm in others or harming children around them. Mm -hmm. But then I just started to feel like, the whole vibe that I come across in a highly regulated kind of bureaucratic industry, because you know how anything that gets government funding runs Mm -hmm. very rigid, you know, 
very, very slow to adapt and accept new technology and new ways of thinking and Mm -hmm. punishing you for not using all of your resources, even though that's clearly ridiculous, but when will it change? Like, who knows? Just seeing too how people are hyper-focused on things like, how's your spacing on social media posts? How's your grammar when you write? How's it just not young? And I say young, being not that young, but young and fresh in that way that when you are still young at heart, you typically just express yourself and you don't question, well, did I express myself correctly? I think that is still the vibe of most things that are doing very well on the internet is, was the messaging there? Did it connect? And nobody cares about the rules of capitalization Mm -hmm. and people who have even started the process of working with a publisher. You also know that's not a writer, that's an editor. And there are people who do developmental editing and, and who do the nuts and bolts and have mastered the rules of grammar and the language that you're trying to publish in, but Mm -hmm. that isn't the job of the creative person. And so, so many times we feel caged by all of these expectations that have no connection to reality and that people that are out there doing the thing may know, Hey, I am a writer and yes, my, the grammar, my book is flawless, but that book was created with a team and my grammar's crap. I'm the one with the message. I'm the one with the vision and the mastery of grammar is someone else's skill. Mm -hmm. But because we have the technology to do so many things you might feel the pressure to be perfect in all these areas, but that doesn't match the reality of how we're using the tech now. And it doesn't Mm -hmm. even match the expectations of other people who use that tech very frequently. Mm -hmm. Now, people who pop in and pop out uh, and are like just on Facebook or whatever, they might still be looking for that level of perfection. And they're Mm -hmm. still complaining about people using acronyms and their text messages. That isn't someone who's fully immersing themselves in the beauty that is 2020. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it is, it's a, it's a division um, between the old way and the new way. Mm-hmm. And that's really what this year has all been about. And like in my sort of downloads that I've received recently, it's been very obvious to me how the world has like split off into two versions on every level. There's, and it's shadow work is exactly that. You know what I mean? Like if you take a line down the center on what you have one split and another and the division between the two, um, for, you know, the two viewpoints and the two worlds is so distinct because mm. it's no longer like a ton of people trying to fit into this old way and adapt to this old way. It's really like, I can't put myself through that anymore. I energetically can't even take it. I can't handle it. It's so deeply uncomfortable. And so a lot of us this year were like, Oh no, get off. And so we went into the other way. We're like, we got it. No. <laughs> Shake it oh off. my Go. goodness. That is so true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it feels like a weight has lifted. Yeah. And then all these things that you couldn't do consistently. I, I heard myself all the time telling myself stories about how I can't finish things and I'm mm-hmm. not uh, able to meet deadlines and this and that. But then when I started shifting into doing what I felt called to do, all of a sudden, all deadlines met. Mm-hmm. Consistency all over the place. No need to schedule, no need to yeah. bulk write posts in advance with no hard in it. Like everything is easier. And yeah. of course, there's still challenges, 
but it's kind of like a challenge in your average everyday life that doesn't wear you out. Like I've never felt emotionally destroyed by a flat tire. Like you just, yeah. you either do it yourself, you either fix it yourself or you call someone else to fix it and then you move mm-hmm. on and then you forget that it even happened. Like it's right. starting to feel like that in my business. Like, oh, there was a hurdle and then I fixed it. And then, oh, did that happen? It's just mm-hmm. a completely different energy. Yeah. I think the hardest part in my business now, and this is like something that I really went through this year is being faced like in order to level up at every, like at every stage, um, at least this is true for me. And I imagine this might be true for other people and you know, let me know what your thoughts are, but the world likes to hand me the very thing that I was deadly afraid of Mm. right when I'm moving up, you know, right when I'm there, I'm ready for it. And I ask for it basically. (laughs) And then the world goes, okay, sure. Yeah. Do you want this? And then it's, it's really that moment of like, am I going to move closer to myself because of this? Or am I going to, you know, get blocked by it? And every single time when it's something that big and it happens so many times this year of just being confronted with like my deepest fears about pivoting, Mm -hmm. about doing the spiritual work about whatever, like, I, it was so, and I'm I'm happy to like tell you about it if you want to know, but um, yeah, it's just been this like really big learning experience of like, oh my gosh, this is exactly what I was terrified of. (laughs) Yes. I would love to hear more about that because I I do feel like life gives you what you're ready for. And if Mm -hmm. you aren't ready to learn the lesson in that moment, it'll just circle back later. Yeah. (laughs) So (laughs) it will. Sometimes what multiple times. Big, um, yeah. I know, right? Well, I asked that something I asked somebody this year was, can I choose the wrong? Can I make a wrong decision? Mm-hmm. Exactly. She said, no, you can't, but you can either take the straight path and get there quickly, or you can make like really, really long detours. And mm-hmm. years from now, you'll end up where you're supposed to be, but we're all going to get there eventually. Yeah. But yeah, the way we make things so difficult sometimes, it's just <laughs> like, I can't believe I did all this extra stuff when I could have started my business years ago. Like I was a entrepreneur for mm-hmm. years, but I had so many blockages mm-hmm. and so many lessons. I was too afraid to try and learn that it drew this process out. So yeah. what were the things that came up for you this year that you decided to work through? Well, there were a few different things. I think the first one is like when I announced my pivot and I was going through this really intense, like spiritual awakening. And by really intense, I mean, literally up all night, every night for like a week and a half, just furiously writing downloads of things, like not coming from my brain, just coming from like the universal download. I felt like I was having like a Dexter's laboratory moment where I was just in my lab upstairs, like, you know, (laughs) it was, I love that you remember that cartoon. (laughs) Yeah. Shape my childhood. (laughs) Shape my childhood. So, um, Yeah, I was, I I announced my pivot. And then the day after I felt so good the day of, and I was like, this is it. Look at me. And the day after I had that like sinking fear of I messed up. I can't go back now, all this stuff. So that was the first thing that really showed me like, oh, the fear always comes up and you just have to remember why you did it. Like just keep coming back to that. And so that really helped me. But then the biggest thing that really, you know, 
broke me open, if you will, is the amount of feedback I got from friends and family, specifically family members, like, you know, my mom and other mother figures in my life who (laughs) in the least (laughs) uh, comforting way possible, just ripped me a freaking new one telling me what they thought of my decisions. You know what I mean? And I had this horrible experience recently, actually, because I was talking about, you know, spiritual stuff. And I was talking about how um, one of the things that's happened this year is there's just been like a thinning of the veil between, you know, me and like the spirit world and just becoming aware of all these energies. And like, it's really overwhelming at first. You're like, what is that? Why are you in my house? You know, (laughs) which sounds wild to people who don't experience it. But so many people were like, no, that happens. Like, it's not just you, like you're fine. And I was like, okay, good. And um, yeah, I talked about this in my Instagram stories. So it's like an open thing, but my mom actually called my psychiatrist behind my back to tell my psychiatrist that I was like hallucinating hallucinating and I was um, having a psychosis and I needed to be evaluated and all of this stuff. And it was the most terrifying experience of my life. Absolutely terrifying. Like, does she have the power to, because I know the laws are different in different states. Was there risk of her being able to commit you or intervene without your consent as an adult that doesn't live with her? Um, no, I found out later okay. that there wasn't a risk. I, I didn't really know that in the moment. I wasn't, I wasn't sure how that worked. And my mom is the epitome of like traditional thinking, logical, like she's not traditional in the set, like socially, you know, she's very accepting and she was really open to the fat activism work and learning about it, although she doesn't totally get it, but she's, she got, you know, she's really working on it, but she's very logical. She's very rational, evidence-driven. She was a lawyer. She's very like everything by the books, you know, and, and there's always two sides to every story and like everything has a whatever. She thinks all this like spiritual stuff is just positive thinking and like psychology. Psychosis. Oh, <laughs> and I'm no. just like, well, this is what I do now. So <laughs> get on board. Well, I assumed because of your last name that yeah. maybe your family was Catholic. Was she not raised Catholic? No, she was not. That was my gotcha. dad's side that we were. Oh, okay. um, but we, I mean, we weren't even really that Catholic. We were just. Because <laughs> I'm like, there's a lot of belief that goes on, even in these accepted mainstream large religions that require some logical leaps. And it really seems like. The more someone believes something, the more it becomes true for them. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a lot of things at play and the science is just behind. Mm -hmm. Even, I can't even remember which, someone said this, I don't know, that if a technology is sufficiently advanced, it looks like magic. Like think of how many things go on around us every day that we don't understand the technology behind it, but we just accept it because it's mainstream. However, if it was new, it would be so scary to us having no concept of how it works. But I think there's plenty of things like that happening in nature where maybe a traditional belief system or spiritual belief system has more ways to explain it. And maybe down the road, science will also have ways to explain it. But it doesn't mean it's not real because there's even some debate about where consciousness is really located. Is it in the body? Is it outside of the body? Does it extend far beyond the body? We thought everything was happening in the brain. Then we start to realize, oh, there's a lot of intellectual processing going on in the gut. People never used to believe that before, even though people would say like, I have this feeling, I have this knowing in the pit of my stomach. And people are like, eh, man. That's nothing. Then we start to measure that 
obviously our definition of consciousness from a scientific perspective is very limited. Mm -hmm. And so if we don't even have that much information about it, why are we being so judgy about Mm -hmm. other people's ways of explaining how consciousness really works? Yeah. Well, exactly. And like, what's interesting is to, I've been learning so much about quantum physics recently because I am fascinated with it and I'm, I don't need to know the nitty gritty to understand the basic concepts of it. You know, like there are plenty of physicists who can go, you know, spin out over that by themselves and I'll just be here to like absorb whatever they figure out. But um, yeah, quantum physics, quantum physics is interesting. And like the understanding of the universe is really interesting from that perspective because it mimics a lot of what like Hinduism and Buddhism has been saying for since the beginning of time, you know, or since the beginning of Hinduism and Buddhism. Um, (laughs) So it's just fascinating because you're like, yeah, ancient civilizations have been talking about this stuff. Like the Egyptians were talking about this stuff way, way before (laughs) we got here scientifically. And at the end of the day, it's all just storytelling. Like all of it is, is our little human words trying to make sense in like in our little meat suit, trying to make sense of ourselves. It's ridiculous. If you think about it, (laughs) it really is. It really is. And then to be married to one concept and Mm -hmm. close to all others is so interesting, especially to be married to a concept that's so new in -hmm. comparison to everything else. Right. And you even think about things that were accepted as this is cutting edge medical treatment Mm a hundred years ago that now we look at it and we're like, oh my God, they're so stupid. You know, so the, why, (laughs) why don't we understand that people are going to do the same thing to us? People Mm -hmm. are going to be enamored with their contemporary understanding and blown away at how silly and clueless their predecessors were. We need to really think about why are we so confident our worldview is the best mm-hmm. and that everybody else is an idiot? Like, what are the chances that that's true? And I know for me at this point, I'm so open to different ways of understanding the world around us that mm-hmm. I look at what the overlap is between what yes. all the traditions are saying. So and it feels like that's probably where the truth is. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's really when it made sense to me because I had a very, I was very um, closed off to any Christianity for a while and, and pretty confused why I have some good friends who are like very Christian and, you know, we'll go to church every Sunday and stuff where I'm just, you know, hungover usually just like, I don't know what, I'm not going to church with you guys. Like, what do you mean? (laughs) You know? And so I was very judgy and I think it's just because of the, I didn't understand the Bible. I didn't understand all of that stuff. And, and so I can also see now, and this has been a really important part of my process as well, is like whenever someone does something to me, right? Whenever someone does something to hurt my feelings, whether it's like come at me in my comments or, you know, my mm-hmm. mom, that whole situation with my mom or if someone, whatever, I immediately look at myself and say, okay, when have I done this to someone else? Which is deeply uncomfortable. And usually I can find something and I'm like, ah, okay, that's good to know. Like, let's see if we can, you know, process it. It's not bypassing my pain because I'm still allowed to be upset, but it's just like, okay, this is a mirror and that's all right. We can use this as a mirror. And so with Christianity, Mm -hmm. that's how it was for me. I was very just like, why would you ever believe that? Like, "Mm, I don't want to hear it. Like da, 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 da. And then I realized, um, (laughs) <laughs> the Bible is just a 
big metaphor. It's all just a story. It's a story to explain things that when I started like getting all these downloads about what's happening this year, I realized that the Bible was actually like, there's a lot of things in there that pretty line, but pretty much line up, but people are taking it too literally. Right. Right. <laughs> You do literally, you're like, no, it's just, it's a story. Like it's a metaphor. It's a, an attempt to explain things in the same way that every other religion does. Right. Right. And there's so much overlap. There's so much overlap. When you look at it that way. Yeah. What's so interesting to me, I don't know of anyone else. Well, that's not true. I was going to say, I can't think of any other major religion that takes their holy text literally, but then I thought of, yeah, I was like, there's a couple. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, (laughs) it's generally not, it doesn't lead uh, you to like a beautiful enlightened place Mm -mm. to be very rigid. So you look at principles versus rules. And even, even in the Bible though, there's that transition from the old Testament to the new Testament. Mm -hmm. And it's basically clearly written like, we're shifting to principles. We're shifting away from rules to guidelines. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know where people miss that part. Like <laughs> Jesus literally said, like, we're going to abandon that old list of rules because, yeah. you know, we're transitioning with me, um, but not everybody is right. big on that part, I guess. Yeah. So. Well, and that's, so the backwards thing that everything is the opposite of, mm. you know, Christian fundamentalism in this country is that to a T it is so clear to me now. It's so clear. It's like, how do you take the teachings of someone who is so like, I love poor people and whores and like everyone, like I love yeah, like literally everybody, <laughs> like homeless people. Like I love them. Like I will die for them. I will die for the most marginalized people. How do you take that and, tr- and like turn your other cheek and, you know, all of these messages, how do you take that then and perpetuate such religious trauma and such mm. it's, narcissism. (laughs) Yes. Yes. It's so insane because it's like every, every outcome of that approach is so anti-Jesus. I'm like, Jesus would like not even, I'm not sure he would talk to you because you're so the opposite of what he was trying to get you to vibe on. Like, I don't understand how you don't understand that. And even the concept of putting people before profit and putting (laughs) people before, you know, like selling religion to people and forcing them to equate their income to how much God has blessed them Mm. and that whole prosperity gospel thing. Mm. That's not Jesus stuff. No. Um. (laughs) Like money and politics (laughs) under Jesus's, you know, they're like, I'm Christian and like, da, da, da. And we're making a million dollars a year selling our souls to the Koch brothers. And you're just right. Right. And, and, and the fact that I'm making so much money means God likes me better than you. Yeah. And like, oh, poor people, you suck. Yeah. That's literally what every politician is just like, except for like AOC, you know, every politician except for AOC. And and we got a lot of good representatives this year. Like a lot of good people are joining and it's again, 
the shift. We're starting to see mm. the shift on we're infiltrating the systems as well. But I think that's where it's really important as like entrepreneurs, we can be the first ones to go against the norm, to go against the status quo and say, hey, I'm not going to subscribe to this like narcissistic worldview anymore where the self is above the, above the collective because mm. everything we do to solely serve the self works against not only the self, but the collective. Yes. And it's going to start being so obvious. Like you used to be able to get away with it and make millions, right? You used to be able to make millions and I, people still will. I don't think that it's just going to magically disappear, but it's going to become harder. Like we're, we're knowing people's dirty secrets quicker. Like people are being exposed for their stuff quicker. Like people are being called out quicker. Like we're seeing it. The tolerance for it is going down. Yes. It's so crazy because you can see it in yourself even because I Mm -hmm. think about before I wanted to be an ethical consumer and I did believe, yeah, you vote with your money every day, Mm. but there, I still had incredibly low standards for people. Mm -hmm. And one thing that was a real trigger for me was seeing who had anything to say about George Floyd's murder Mm -hmm. and who had nothing to say. Yeah. And that for me, that was a deal breaker Yeah, on a level that I, I don't, I was never at that point before mm-hmm. I was like, well, you know, this is a separate thing. Like the Academy, the Academy mm-hmm. is dead to me wow. at this point. Yeah, They will not be getting another penny out of me. And I had to decline. I, I backed out of some volunteering um, opportunities, you know, like on boards and stuff and declined opportunities to participate more in the DPG I was already in, even though the DPG I was in did want to talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion. Mm-hmm. I just felt like we're so far beyond that point. And <laughs> yeah. if you even think about when you said, oh, I'd like to do an episode on this, way mm-hmm. before this major civil rights movement picked up momentum. Mm-hmm. So it's not like nobody knew this stuff was going on. But my patience <laughs> for people who, like, I know, right? Yeah. My patience for people who didn't want to discuss it before they felt like they had to discuss mm-hmm. it was over. Yeah. And then I also felt like that sense of um, white urgency for oh people who hadn't been doing the work. Yeah. <laughs> and th- those sl- same people think that the fight was over uh, a couple of weeks ago. Like they're oh, like, oh, did it end? Yeah. done. Cool. Yeah, it's done. Moving Sweet. on. Um <laughs> And all the companies that did those half-ass, like, oh, we don't hate Black people anymore. Like, oh, um, we're going to change this (laughs) anti-Jemima imagery. Like, we just noticed that some people think this is tired and played out and racism. Like, they're over it. And we didn't know y'all didn't want to see Gone with the Wind every week. We're we're (laughs) going to stop playing it this year. We we didn't know, y'all. We thought you like all that mammy imagery. It doesn't bother you at all. We, We just found out. I just feel like if this would have happened 20 years ago, a lot of people of color would have been like, oh, that's so nice. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow, look at progress is being made. And now there's just like this massive collective eye roll, like not buying it anymore. We want to know who's been doing this work the whole time. Mm-hmm. Who's been working on listening to other voices the whole time. And that yeah. whole, oh, but there's nobody in my area excuse. What are you talking about? Right. You have Wi-Fi, like you have, <laughs> yeah, you have like, what are you talking about? Yeah. And this was being covered in the news previously, just not at the same level. And the question is, 
did your heart break when you saw it or were you like, oh, that doesn't affect me? Because I think for a lot of people, like the thing with George Floyd is how you really couldn't look away from it. You really couldn't pretend like it was anything else because the video was just so in your face. It was so, it was, it's a perfect example of like every single other system that has been kind of crumbling where we're being confronted with it in an obvious way Mm -hmm. that it's like, you cannot, like you literally cannot pretend that this is anything else. And if you do, if you're pretending this is anything else and I saw, I saw those people online and I had heard those. It's like, (laughs) like there's the deniers. There's the people who are living in their sort of white bubble of like, Oh, it's bad, but like racism bad, you know, but I'm not really going to talk about it. And then there's the people who genuinely are like, I, I don't know. Like, that's where I'm like, do parallel universes exist? Like, do I they know. live in a universe? Oh my goodness. Where it's not real? Like, I don't know. <laughs> it's don't so know. weird. It's so weird. Cause getting like a little paranoid with how sometimes humans try and do something good and it has negative unintended consequences. <laughs> I just finished watching the social dilemma oh, and yeah. apparently through technology, parallel universes have been created. Because technology <laughs> mimics the universe. <laughs> mm. Yeah. So people who have a completely different lived experience, it's not real to them. Mm-hmm. But then my thing is, I know that my lived experience is not universal. So if somebody mm-hmm. trans tells me like there's some BS going on, that's just affecting trans people, not cis people. I would never in a million years be like, are you sure? Cause I haven't seen it. Like that, <laughs> those words would never come out of my mouth. Right. So I don't understand those people are like, I haven't seen it. Can't be real because everybody has experienced some level of being told that their experience is not real because other people have not seen right. it. Right. So if you could just build your empathy and understand like all those times someone told you that as a woman, you imagined harassment or you're being too sensitive or you should think it's a compliment or whatever, just extrapolate that and how you could not convince that person (laughs) that you were really being oppressed. Other people are having this experience in other areas and we're all enjoying different levels of privilege in different areas, Mm -hmm. but you don't have to experience it to empathize and try and work to not participate in making other people's lives more difficult. Because I've heard that excuse a lot this year. I can't even imagine. I I can't begin to fathom, but as an excuse, not as the beginning of, I want to do more. I want to help. How can I help? It's, I don't know anything about it. So I've decided that I can't do anything. Right. Oh, how fun. Yeah. I like how nice for that person. Like that's not how empathy works. And like you said, anything that's harming one of us is really harming all of us. And that was illustrated this year so much with the most vulnerable people and the under insurance Mm -hmm. and the inability to stay home when ill because their jobs don't go for that. You know, how that has made it impossible to control the spread. Our problems are all connected and we're not free until everyone's free. But yeah, some people still totally didn't get that this year. And that is like, oh my gosh, I keep going back to this narcissism thing because it's this new breakthrough that I've had around it of, you know, I'm not diagnosing half the country, although. What about 70%? (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) But I, the way that I see it is like, 
it's these narcissistic belief systems around the individual over the collective. And it's this fear, it's this unwillingness to, you know, face that fear of like, well, if I care about someone else, then I have to sacrifice myself and I'm going to hurt myself by caring about someone else. Oh, you want me to vote to raise taxes for other people. You want me to vote to do these things, but I need to look out for number one, you know? And that's where I, I see this, like the Trumpism that isn't, um, that isn't like openly hateful, you know, like mm -hmm. the people who are like convinced that they are actually just more educated on Trump's goodness than the rest of us or something like that. I don't really know, but <laughs> that's where I see it is just, well, I'm looking out for number one and I can see, I'm not racist because I can see how people are being experienced racism. And I can, I can see that, but like, I don't understand what me voting for Trump has anything to do with that. Right. Right. And it's like, but that's your, that's the whole thing is like you're positioning you at the top and everyone else's problems and concerns at the bottom. And what you don't mm. realize is by doing that, you're actively hurting you and everyone else. Yes. And that is the damage yeah. of white supremacy. Like that's right. the, that's the crazy thing Yeah, is that even, cause I know a lot of people got butthurt over the usage of the term privilege, oh but <laughs> But it's like, it. <laughs> it doesn't mean you're not experiencing suffering. And in reality, all systems of oppression hurt everybody. Mm -hmm. And so it's a poison we need to get rid of as a collective. But if we can't get beyond this individualism, mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't see how it can be done. So I'm excited to see what new models people are coming up with for how to do a number of things because someone last year when I was doing the anti-diet series in January, 2019, someone mentioned something about rejecting capitalism because of its toxicity and other ways to do business. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she listed, or I think actually they listed off some different books and I was like, so it was so not on my radar. Mm -hmm. And I was still vibing with capitalism because I don't think I'd fully accepted all the damage that it does. And then I felt like, like this dirty commie stigma coming for me. Right. If I was to say there might be any other way to do what we do. Mm -hmm. I'm like, are there other ways? I'm, I'm <laughs> at such a crossroads right now because I'm like, capitalism is literally the monetization of all of these, you know, like it's the monetization mm -hmm. of the narcissism of individuality of like, I will. And by narcissism is so interesting because when you look at the definition of it, it's, you know, caring about yourself and your own advancements at the expense of other people. Mm. Like that's slavery. Yeah. Yeah. But at the <laughs> same capitalism. time, what is, that's also literally America. Right. That's like literally our whole culture. Right. And so it's hard to. So what do we do? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I'm wondering if we're going to be able to come up with some kind of hybrid where the collective doesn't have to suffer. Were there no victims? Like, I can know. there not be a system where you get rewarded for your talent and your effort, but there are no victims mm -hmm. where you get consent from your customers, where you don't prey on their fears and their vulnerabilities, where you genuinely do what you do to help others. And people give you love offerings mm -hmm. because they like what you're doing mm -hmm. more so than you prey on them and you use them. But mm -hmm. I still think I'm very early in my concept of 
how many Same. levels there are of problematicness <laughs> totally. <laughs> with all the things that I've accepted as the best way, because mm-hmm. I don't feel like a nationalist on a regular day. Mm-hmm. But when I travel, that's when my cultural centrism comes out. Mm-hmm. When I'm just like, oh my God, like, why is everything this way? And like, when am I going home? <laughs> Even though I love to travel, you know, you get to that point in your travels, if you're like at the second month or the third month mm, mark, yes, where you're pretty convinced that the way they do everything back home is better. Right. And Even really though people, all you want is like your own bed and toilet. Like that's all yeah, you want. Really yeah. It's like, want. why are there only three types of gum here? What's happening? Yeah. Like why? Mm. Just so many little things. And mm-hmm. why don't people heat their water here? Like what's up with the cold showers? Like almost the entire planet's taking cold showers except for us. <laughs> that's also another reason why we're sucking up more energy than everybody else. Yeah. But when you experience the cold shower, you will think America's the best. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That'll do it. Like that's the the thing. Oh my goodness. There's so much that we could unpack. Thank I know. you so much for coming on the show. Are you thinking of having another podcast to support like your new direction? Yeah. So I'm going to do another podcast. It'll be the same one, but I'm going to change the name obviously and all the stuff. Um, and it's going to be a combination. We're going to talk about entrepreneurship. We're going to talk about helping people. We're going to talk about quantum physics. We're going to talk about spirituality and religion. And it's literally going to be whatever I want to talk about. Like, that's just what it is. I don't really care at this point. Like I have so many different avenues that I'm like creating programs and offers for and just so many different like stages of this journey that I'm supporting people around that like my podcast is just going to be everything under the sun and like come for all of it come for some of it like whatever you know I love that that sounds so free yeah (laughs) I'm like I can't I literally can't like niche down yes punch which is so funny because (laughs) That has been the whole story for all solopreneurs for Mm -hmm. years is that you're never going to grow rapidly if you don't niche down. And they're right. I'm not growing Mm. rapidly. I'm actively losing followers, like still. (laughs) Okay, that makes me feel better. Yeah. And it's okay. (laughs) And it's okay. How do you reconcile that? And please tell me that when these followers leave, they're leaving silently. Are they like saying, I'm so disappointed on their way out the door or they just letting it ride? When I first started like really talking about shadow work recently, so I'd announced my pivot. Everyone was like, so proud of you. Amazing. And then I was like, okay, this is what I do. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I know I work with leaders and and healers. And so I really believe instead of having a niche, we have a mission. I have a mission mm. to activate and help heal and guide other leaders. Cause it's like, I do my healing and then I turn around and I'm like, come on, you know? And so that's my mission. And I don't know how that shows up, but it just, it will, and it'll evolve. And so when I started talking about this stuff and talking about shadow work and just like, you know, how I'm going to incorporate business and entrepreneurship, I had people being like, and this is the irony of it, you know? Oh, I loved trust your body project. And I loved, like, I really believed in that mission. And like, how could you not believe in that mission anymore? And like, da, 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 da. Oh, like you said you didn't believe in it. Anymore. I was like, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> like, I'm trusting my body. Like I'm, this is the most embodiment yes. of the mission. If you can let go of the name and let go of the way that it looks to outside to everyone else, that is the ultimate expression of trusting your body. And if you can't see that, Mm. that's not on me. <laughs> like you clearly oh, weren't vibing yes. with it, you know? Yes. 
That's so deep. That is so deep. Okay. We're going to have to discuss this more down the line, like after your show has taken so I can listen to more episodes because I think that's so, so true. And I think that's where being a dietitian and nothing else can start to feel empty because Mm -hmm. maybe people are drawn to it because they want to heal. And maybe you're drawn to body led eating or intuitive eating because you know how much information is in the body that can lead your life in the right direction. But then when you just stop at the food and we don't look at how it connects to everything. And if you're chronically dieting, you're unlearning how to trust yourself, how to trust your intuition, how to trust the universe, how to trust spirit or whatever you call it. And you're breaking yourself into these artificial parts like business me, food me, fitness me, when we're all one thing and you take yourself with you everywhere you go. So your best practice for how to eat is the best practice for how to live. And it's all about listening to your body, which some of us would call our intuition and Mm -hmm. some people call spirit and some people call their higher self. And some people just say like the Holy Spirit is within you and giving you messages all the time. So people are saying all these different things, but to me, it sounds like all the same thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Talk to you on my podcast next. (laughs) Awesome. Did you have any epiphanies during that interview? I know I had more than one. I love that conversation and it is a perfect vibe for the direction that the show is headed in. If you would like to share your epiphanies, please look for Whitney and I on Instagram. Our links are in the show notes. Whitney Catalano, Dahlia Kinsey RD, and let us know what resonated with you and if there are any action steps that you felt inspired to put in motion after listening to the show. Remember, the only fee for the show is that you share it with others anytime you hear something useful. Check in with us again the first Thursday of January so that you can catch episode one with Stephanie Janini and I going to be looking at our intentions and what we really want to lean into in 2021. Do you know what you want from this upcoming year? We know that 2020 was a rough one. It was very different and most people aren't big fans of change. But what has 2020 been like for you? In hindsight, do you feel like it's changed you and you've grown in ways that are only going to benefit you, that you couldn't have possibly anticipated before this year began? A lot of us suffered a lot of loss this year. So if you aren't feeling like really leaning in to the silver linings, that's perfectly fine as well. Please be kind to yourself and don't push yourself to do anything you don't have energy for here at the tail end of 2020. Enjoy your rest. Enjoy your break. We will see you soon.